Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Hope you had a good weekend. Thanks for being with us today. There were 40 fewer non-fatal shootings in our city the past year than in 2021, but only four fewer homicides. More than 70 people in the Western District received help with housing, employment, and other services through the Mayor's Office of Neighborhood Safety and Engagement, and that district became safer. The city plans to expand its group violence reduction strategy to the Southwestern District soon. Late Friday afternoon, the Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts issued a press release implicating the mayor's office in the decision to cancel the annual Martin Luther King Day parade. That was followed by a letter to the BOPA board from Mayor Brandon Scott demanding that the director of BOPA, Donna Drew Sawyer, resign. Following reports that she had resigned, the BOPA board issued a statement saying that she had not resigned. The mayor tweeted last night that the parade will take place. It's midday with the mayor. Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott joins me on Zoom from his office in City Hall. Mr. Mayor, welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Tom. I hope you had some good time with the family. Thank you. I did. I hope you did as well. Um, Tell us about what's going on with BOPA and the uh, Martin Luther King Day Parade, which uh, you tweeted last night, will take place uh, when they issued a statement Friday afternoon before you called on Donna Drew Sawyer to resign. They said that BOPA does not have the authority to, nor would we ever assume, to make unilateral decisions on mayoral events, uh, which means that they wouldn't have decided to cancel it uh, if that hadn't been something that uh, you wished to have happen. Uh, Can you explain what's going on? I'll just say this very, very, very quickly and very bluntly. Uh, Tom, as you as you have seen, uh, not with ML, just with MLK Day, but with Artscape, uh, you have seen the difference in the events that uh, the mayor's office in the city has put on. For example, uh, Afran went, has went on without a hitch. We planned a new festival after uh, they said that Artscape wasn't happening and had Charm City Live in lieu of Artscape to give Baltimoreans some semblance of uh, what we call normalcy. Uh, we put on these events. And quite frankly, my office is going to put on the MLK Day Parade because BOPA is not doing it. Uh, We were told uh, uh, by BOPA that that it was not a priority and that we all know, you and I know, that we can both honor Dr. King's legacy by participating in a National Day of Service and celebrating him with a parade. That's what's going to happen. We are uh, dedicated to maintaining uh, the rich uh, cultural traditions that we have here while introducing new programming. Unfortunately, it has been uh, become apparent that the current leadership of BOPA, uh, not not many of the staff, leadership of BOPA is not aligned with those values, which is why I sent that letter on Friday and which is why I myself tweeted out last night uh, that we are going to have the parade. There was no Artscape last year, right? And then when Artscape was announced this year, the dates conflicted with Rosh, Rosh Hashanah. We, there have been too many missteps, uh, and it's just now time for them to move on, and we look forward to working with uh, the, the staff and the n- new leadership as, as the board does the right thing at BOPA to making sure that there are, is a better relationship but also more alignment with what the residents of Baltimore want. But like I said, if they do not change that direction and remove her, we are prepared to cut the organization's funding in fiscal year 24 and transfer responsibilities to other agencies. And we will not, I'll say it again, will not 
renew uh, their contract when the current one expires if they do not do what we're we are requesting them to do right now can you can you uh, get a parade organized in a week i mean was there any work done on organizing a parade people were very uh, surprised that it was canceled you know uh, i'll just say this from the date it was supposed to happen i'll say this tom i think you know uh there there is time there was a time where in a couple weeks span, I said, that, hey, we're going to get a bunch of men together and we're going to have a march on North Avenue. And thousands of people showed up to do it. That's not going to be a problem. And we're going to get it done. And uh, have you heard anything from the BOPA board uh, that has not yet been reported uh, in nope. terms of, of uh, you know, uh, Ms. Sawyer's uh, status at this juncture? Nope. And we look forward to hearing from them. I know that they'll be making some communication and we're going to go from there. At the end of the day, we have uh, a responsibility to the will of the residents, and which is why I personally may having a parade this year a priority. They're already going to be, you know, folks out that way marching anyway. We are us, right? This is why you heard me say in my tweet that my focus in the parade is going to be a, a hashtag not unfamiliar for, for me to be talking about is that we must stop killing each other. So we know that we'll be able to do that. And that's what I'm asking everybody that comes to participate, to watch, to be there for that parade, to come to it with that as in mind. Peace. How we in this city can work together to stop killing each other. And the parade will begin at noon on at noon. MLK Day uh, next same Monday. Same bad time, same bad place. Uh, let's talk about the violent crime statistics that uh, uh, are now in for you know 2021 and your uh, intention to expand the group violence reduction strategy, which you had as a pilot program in the Western District. You're going to expand it to the Southwestern District. Talk about what that will mean. Yeah, I think that, that Tom, I think when you think about uh, uh, where we are, right, in, in like you said in your in your in your lead in uh, we had a 5% reduction in non-fatal shootings in the city uh we 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 did have four fewer homicides uh which may seem uh, minuscule but that's still four people four four beings and who are with us in families and communities that are impacted with that trauma gun seizures in the city were up 14% uh 40% of them were ghost guns recovered in, and more ghost guns were recovered in 2022 than in 2021 but that pilot in the Western District, uh, we saw a 34% reduction in combined homicides and non-fatal shootings. And we're seeing the impact of that work of, of, of a comprehensive community violence intervention ecosystem, state streets mediated, uh, 2,200 potentially violent conflicts. And that's just the beginning. We're not where we want to be, but we are in the work of where we're going to continue to work to get us to where we need to be. We cannot... While we can we can walk and chew gum at the same time, Tom, while we can acknowledge that we still have far too many issues and far too much violence in the city that we have to work on in a complete and comprehensive way, we can also point to things that have shown uh, some some semblance of progress. We can point to that 5%. We can point to the, the 34% reduction uh, in, in the Western. In GBRS, as we s expanded to the Southwest and the Southern, which is where the data says that we should go, not making mistakes of uh, making political decisions about where these things should go in the, in the past is, it's about offering individuals the opportunity. We will say, you 
Take these resources and we will uh, make sure uh, that you get them so that you can stay alive and provide for your family. But if you don't, we are going to bring swift, certain and legitimate accountability for people who continue to uh, uh, to continue to operate in this group violence that we're seeing. It's carry the stick. And if you want to have if your listeners want to. Uh, get a very in-depth uh, view of what that what that program is. You can check out my op-ed op- in the Washington Post to learn more about it. And thanks to that effort, like we're seeing that that effort, not just from my office, right? This is the police commissioner, myself, the state's attorney, our federal law enforcement partner, community partners, all together. Think about where we would be if we didn't have that 34% reduction. And as we wrap up the first year, we're now scaling up. With uh, uh, our redistricting process that 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 we uh, just went through, the three districts that we're going to be operating in, Tom, contain around 40 percent of the city's violent crime. So we are where we are going to be. And we're not making those uh, mistakes and repeating those mistakes of the past. Uh, we know that GVRS failed because they grew too quickly or not being intentional enough about laying the groundwork or not using data. And we got to get it right. Mike Mancuso, who's the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, says that scaling up in Southwestern District uh, is simply not possible. There aren't enough. There's not enough uh, police personnel to to do their part of the equation. How do you respond? I'll just say that my friend Mike is wrong. Uh, The infrastructure is there and we're going to be able to have that success. That simple. There were, of course, two uh, shootings of teenagers in the last couple of weeks, one uh, across the street from uh, Edmondson High School at the Edmondson Village Shopping Center and another just a few days ago at uh, near Benjamin Franklin High School. Do you think there's any particular um, uh, any any particular thoughts you have about the fact that these, these young people uh, are resorting to, uh, to gun violence uh, in, in what appears to be increasing numbers? I think that 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 the the data would say, Tom, that we know that we're having issues across the board when you talk about who our victims and folks are. And I think I was very clear over the last few weeks about what's driving this. Right. And folks, a lot of folks don't like what I said, but it's the truth. Uh, We have issues um, that should not result in anybody being harmed in that way. That result in people being being shot or killed over stupid stuff, right? I'm not going to repeat what I said before on air, but over stupid stuff. And I think that it should cause us to look in the mirror. Uh, When you think about, and folks, you know, I've gotten so angry over the past few weeks about both of these, but in particular the Emerson uh, Village one, because folks want to say, you know, we I've hear these these what I call sideline quarterbacks or 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 folks who who only are in the community via social media say like, oh well, what is the school doing? That school, that principal has been working with those young people and those families in ways that you just normally don't see, right? That community, that councilman has been working with those businesses. The principal himself has been working with those businesses to try to get them to abide by rules and regulations. But then also we have to think about how is it that uh, some whatever minor, minor, minuscule, stupid dispute uh, that these young people, uh, one was killed and four the shot over, how is it? That that whoever pulled the trigger, those two individuals got that gun. Where did that gun come from? 
how we how are we in a society, Tom, where people think that that's how they should resolve their conflict and they can just move on? How is it that someone knows that they killed a young man whose life will never see its full potential? Some adult knows and they're allowing to slip, let them sleep on their couch at night. All of it matters, like I said the other day. That's why we have to. We cannot. And you don't do this, Tom. You do a great job of, of talking about the complexity of violence. But we cannot allow uh, uh, murder, shootings, act of violence continue to be talked about in this simple, uh, this simply packaged, you know, someone died in somebody, one person or one group is responsible kind of thing because multiple are responsible in many different ways. What do you think, what do you, what do you think, excuse me for, for interrupting, but what do you think of Ivan Bates, who was just uh, recently sworn in as the new state's attorney here in Baltimore, uh, reinstating the policy to prosecute the low-level offenses, loitering, prostitution, small p- possession of small amounts of, of drugs? What do you, what do you, it's a, it's a, a change from the prior state's attorney's administration, uh, and that was one that you supported at the time. Um, what's your reaction to Mr. Bates' decision at this point well it's not it, it, i wouldn't necessarily characterize it as a support but if they make a decision and it requires me and the police department to adjust accordingly uh and i am in full support of what the state attorney is doing i think it's important to lift up that he has said and he said to me and i know he's probably said publicly too uh that the way he's looking at this is again not going back to mass incarceration and uplifting things about how we can as as he said, uh, uh, use things like the same way that we're going to be dealing starting tomorrow with uh, the, through the Squeegee Collaborative and how we can be doing that enforcement, that we can be doing these same and will be doing these same kind of things using that kind of infrastructure for these lower level arrests, giving people the opportunity. But if they don't and continue to do those things, then we'll have to go in a, dip, a deeper route. It's about making sure that there can be balance, uh, Tom. And I think the state's attorney and I are completely aligned in that. And you'll hear us consistently talk about the same things. You heard him in his speech talk about the record number of guns uh, that we're taking off the streets. But now that he's going to be looking forward to making sure that those have actual consequences on the other end. That's the kind of partnership that we're excited to have. And we what we will not do is not allow some folks uh, in the media, not 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 Tom Hall, to try to create this divisiveness between us because we are deeply aligned and look forward to working together. Let me ask you about the fire department. Uh, former Chief Niles Ford resigned uh, upon the publication of a, a really damning report uh, having to do with the, the deaths of the three firefighters on the Stricker Street, uh, uh, in the Stricker Street vacant house fire. Um, you made a decision, or, or uh, Deputy Mayor Barksdale made a decision, to have a rotating leadership at the fire department uh, among three people who I guess will switch off as the actual head of the fire department uh, each month. Um, that seems to a lot of folks to be a, a very uh, cumbersome uh, and inefficient way to run a department. Do you think that the, the leadership of the department uh, will be will be deleteriously affected and, and diffused uh, if it's split among three people? Why not pick one person to run the fire department on an interim basis until a full-time person's hired? No, I think I think that 
folks who say that don't know. So, for example, when when a chief or chief board or someone he he, he was out of town on vacation or something like that, it was never just one person. That it's always been the practice that okay, this person is running it until my return. But this also, and I think this is something uh, that even our folks at the on the labor side of fire, this allows us to truly do something that Tom, quite frankly, we as we look for the best and brightest everywhere, we don't do here in Baltimore, and that's to see. Truly, if we have leadership that is here that can handle that responsibility and do it in a good way. And we have, it does not, you you have not heard that from uh, the most important folks, and that's the folks that are doing that work each and every day, uh, because we know that those individuals are capable, and we're going to make sure we're going to see uh, uh, how, and hopefully as we go through this process, who will be the permanent lead. Let me ask you about the Department of Public Works. Just this morning, two uh, city council members, uh, Zeke Cohen and uh, Yitzi Schleifer, called on Jason Mitchell, the uh, head of DPW, to resign unless he's able to make some meaningful progress on uh, restoring weekly recycling. Uh, what's your uh, your position on uh, Director Mitchell? Does he enjoy your support? And uh, do you do you think that uh, weekly recycling pickup uh, is something that can be that can happen sooner rather than later? I think I'll say a few things about this, and I won't comment about the the letter at all. Um, Tom, I think that sometimes we become prisoners of the moment in this world that we live in, and I think that we have to think about all the work and great work that this DPW director has done in his tenure. Um, when he and I got here, there was no recycling, right? No recycling at all. There was no bulk trash. All of those things were done. And the work that has been done there to bring that back, to give out the recycling carts, to have bulk trash again, and some other critical work. I asked DPW to put together. But Mr. Mayor, recycling oh. in Baltimore started back in 2009. No, I get this. But remember, it was canceled during the we, we during the pandemic. Remember, we had to bring it back, Tom. It was like not there. That's what I mean. Restarting the recycling pickup at all. And I know we've talked uh, before about, you know, a shortage of personnel at DPW and that that's yep. been the reason uh, that uh, weekly recycling has not been restored. Um, but uh, have those problems, you know, I mean, those problems have been so, in yeah, place for a long it, time. I mean, uh, what, what's it, your timeline? What's your expectation as to when that particular problem can be solved and people, that, adequate numbers of I people can that, be hired? That's what I think that, that I was going to go into. This is why I asked us to do something that we haven't done before, and that's have actually report about how we can get receipt weekly recycling back up and running. It's clear uh, that the demand now, partly because of now everyone having the blue carts and the, and the thing to do that, uh, is, is more than our current service capacity. Uh, and Baltimore, as I said to you before, has my commitment that we're going to do what's needed to build that capacity and resume regular service. But as you said, there are three issues at the moment. Lack of personnel, right? Don't have the recycling workers to and drivers to resume it. Lack of equipment. Truck maintenance is putting vehicles out of service. And we don't have the fleet numbers to replace the vehicles that are in the shop. Now, these have to be custom vehicles. So and that I want this to be very clear. There's a delay in getting new vehicles due to the ongoing supply chain issues. We ordered those vehicles year, uh, over a year ago, almost two years ago, uh, uh, and we're expecting them to, to, uh, we, to come in, but 
This is not just an issue for Baltimore. Uh, supply chain is a supply chain. We ordered 67 of them. The other thing I think is critical to break up really quickly, too, is that routes. Our routes, Tom, were unoptimized, and we went through that. But routes, Mr. Off- Mayor, routes can Stop, be fixed. Tom, let me finish. Let me finish. I'm ta- if you let me finish, I could get through what I'm saying to you. We optimized the routes. They were 101% larger than the industry standard. Right. That had never been done before. They didn't have GPS in the trucks that had never we didn't have that. Right. We have to go through all of that. And this Rubicon report uh, puts out all that. We have 24. Yeah, it's a new report that just re- was released by DPW released. this morning. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outlays all that. So we the route to- thing has been fixed. So it's it's a matter of equipment and personnel. Then. And personnel. And I want to say this again publicly, that this issue around personnel isn't just for Salaways, isn't just. A, a Baltimore City thing. I was talking to one of our contracting partners on Friday. He's having the same issue with his own company. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to look at everything that we can through incentives, pay, whatever we can do to get more people. But if people are hearing this and, and wanting to help and they know people, young people, people graduating from high school, et cetera, let them know that we are hiring in DPW. Uh, Rubicon's permit uh, uh, for us to uh, implement those things will help us uh, move into a 21st century capacity. But the people in the vehicles are the number one driving thing. We just have a minute or two left. We have an email from a a person named Char McCready, the uh, executive director of the Citizens Planning and Housing uh, Association. He's also a member of the Inclusionary Housing Coalition, who says it's been six months since the expiration of the inclusionary housing law in June of 2022. Do you support this law and the bill with with amendments, and what actions will you take to get the bill passed? Yeah, the, we we are working with Councilwoman Ramos to to uh, make some changes uh, to to that bill, and we're working through that, and that's how we will be having uh, uh, impact on it through amendments. We have another email from Victoria who said there weren't any fireworks in Harbor East for New Year's Eve. Was that another BOPA problem? Uh, was the mayor? Uh, involved in the decision to cancel the fireworks on New Year's Eve? Uh, and do you think they'll be restored for, for example, July 4th? Well, I, I don't know where she was looking. I was at the harbor and saw the fireworks myself, Tom. Actually, you guys used a picture of me at the fireworks for the for the uh, the tweet for today's show. We had fireworks this this New Year's she, Eve. She she said there's no fireworks in Harbor East for New York New Year's Eve. I guess the fireworks. Tom, you always know the fireworks at the Inner Harbor. Inner yeah, Harbor, okay. Well, that's that's what yeah. her uh, her thing was. I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor, that we didn't get to talk about the legislative priorities for the 2023 legislative session, but that is on our list, and we will pick up with that yep, next we'll time. Yeah, we'll get it next time. Okay. That's not a problem. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Thank you. That's Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott. And before we go to a break, each week here on Midday, it is our practice to read the names of people who have lost their lives to violence in Baltimore City and to list their names on the Midday webpage. We do so to stand in witness to their untimely deaths and to remember their families and friends in their hour of grief. Dylan King died December 30th. His death was ruled a homicide by the city medical examiner on January 3rd. Dylan was eight years old. Police have identified three of the people who've lost their lives to violence in Baltimore so far. They are Kevin Evans Jr., age 32, Deasia Garrison, age 17, 
and Deonta Dorsey. She was 16 years old. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. We'll be right back. This is 88.1. 